I have some. Oh, this is from our cafe. Um, this is a what is this? A cafe Americano with two pumps of vanilla. Hmm. No cream. Delicious. Praise God. Why is that funny? You guys, do you guys like coffee? Does anyone not like coffee? Chris is from Seattle and he doesn't drink coffee. That's so weird. And he's a Charger fan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bolt up. Hashtag. Hashtag bolt up. Come on, somebody. So I like coffee. And if you're dead and sleepy, you need to either get more sleep or drink some coffee. Praise God. All right. It's called Christian Crank. Baptist nectar, it's called coffee. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's actually open the Bible and let's just stop this right now. Hashtag crazy. Ephesians chapter 1. Hashtag your pastor needs help. Yeah, you're not supposed to agree with that. No. You're not supposed to agree with that. It's the only thing. Agree with me on everything else but that. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's good to see faces. I know we welcome the first time visitors. If it was your first time today, we just welcome you and uh, I'm glad you're here with us. And um, we're excited about our new building. Come on, somebody. Are you excited about that? This is, uh, it's been a long time. I'm glad for this section that's really excited over here. But we we really want to emphasize um, that, that we're about ready to step into the most fruitful season that we've ever seen as a church. Come on. Sean Bowles actually prophesied that over our house, over our ministry. Um, he actually called Rochelle out by her birthday and was talking about tragedy turning into something beautiful. And her birthday happens to be on 9-11. And don't forget it, she says. Mine is the 29th of this month. You can write that down. I celebrate for like two weeks, so you got to take advantage of your birthday. But there was a word that he spoke over our house, and we're about ready to step into it. And the Lord gave us a, um, a dream. I won't go into all of it, but he's giving us the harvest. And so I'm really excited about uh, the tool that God is going to hand us, which is a great facility, a larger facility. We're going to be able to go to one service for a while. The sanctuary is about three times the size of this. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and we got, I mean, our kids' church, everything's just going to a whole nother level. And it's off of Stephanie and American Pacific, if you're interested. We're going to plan a day after second service. We're all going to go. We'll announce it. But we're all going to go and pray over there, do some worship over there. How's that sound? Does that sound like fun? Amen. But we need your partnership. This is a step of faith. I mean, my wife, my wife and I, uh, if we're prepared to, we're going we're gonna to have to just take a hit. And, you know, we might have to reduce our salary. I mean, whatever it takes. So, And we're going to um, start doing some things a little differently in our body. We might uh, monthly uh, or quarterly, we're going to show you our budget and, and where we're at so you know where to give and what areas of need. How's that sound? And, and we want to make sure that with you, not just our members... Um, as far as, uh, you know, those of you that are members of our church, but those of you that are consistent givers, we want you to, to see what's happening. Um, and you need to know where it's at, not only for, for the benefit of being transparent, but also for the benefit you might, God might speak to you and say, I need to meet the budget this month. Like, you know, God has blessed me and I want to, and so we want to make sure everybody knows what's happening because we're individual members of one body and we're rising up together. We're taking a step of faith 
Um, and, and we're doing it because God has dropped in our hearts that we are called to change this city. Come on. We're breaking the stigma that it is not sin city. It's grace city. It's revival city. It's a city that God loves with relentless love. He ain't mad at Las Vegas. You can tweet that. God is not mad at Las Vegas. He loves humanity. And he doesn't love humanity if they do something just right. He loves people right where they're at in their junk and mess. That's why the uh, the Savior, Jesus, God incarnate, sinners loved him. You know that? Yep. If you think about this, the, the way churches today, a lot, of, a lot of people that have, you know, lifestyles that maybe aren't acceptable to the, uh, you know, the, the ethics of religion, Jesus was loved by sinners. But a lot of the religious people today, it's like they don't want to hang out with people that are going to condescend them. Hello? You know, the gospel is not a condescending message. It's a serving message. It's an invitation to life that that Jesus has for us. Come on, somebody. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to come under, to serve, to love, to lift up, to tell people how valuable they are. And, And we're about ready to step into this new building. And I'm just, I'm really excited about it. Um, and so we get to be a part of that. We are a part of something amazing. Amen. So I want you to pray with me. I really feel like, uh, this word stirring in my heart. Um, and, and it, it's kind of a sequel to something I shared with you. Who was here three weeks ago when I taught about what does God really look like? Can you remember that message? Who was here? Raise your hand if you were here. And we talked about Trinity, uh, Trinitarian theology. Do you guys remember that? Raise your hand if you were here so I can see. Oh, there was hardly anyone here for that. Well, you missed out. The glory cloud showed up. Jesus appeared in the flesh. Sorry, you can catch it online. No, I'm just... <laughs> Um, I do encourage you, though, to listen to that message. I'm not going to get into it too much today, but I'm going to kind of like start where I left off. Um, This is such an important understanding for Christianity. It's an important understanding that we know where we came from. And we talked about one of the early church fathers named Athanasius. Um, that was one of the ones that actually he's the first one that we have a letter that mentions all 66 books in the new Testament or all 66 books in the Bible, uh, canonized in, in the year 267 AD. So he was like a second, third century early church father. He was the one that really pioneered the understanding of God as father, son, and Holy spirit. And he pioneered truth. Um, when the early church was figuring out who Jesus was and the implications of what happened when he died on the cross. Now, a lot of us today, we have our ideas about, you know, the Calvary and what happened at the cross. And we have phrases that we use. And a lot of times we have belief systems, phrases, and uh, imaginations of what God looks like and such that haven't necessarily come from our roots or the scripture, but they have come from uh, 2,000 years of church history, different ways of thinking, culture that have influenced the way we think. And sometimes it's like contamination. And we have to allow God in the person of Jesus to, uh, to purify our minds, to renew our minds. How many know um, that, that we're called to repentance? 
Come on, somebody. Now, when I first got saved, that word was like, I, and right now, it's just not a very good word, repent. Like, who uses that word anymore, you know? Like when we're sitting here, you know, hey, repent, you know, turn around, change your mind, change the way you think. Nobody uses that word unless you're in church or unless you're the guy on the street corner that has the sign, God's pissed at you, and you're telling everyone around you to repent. When I first got saved, when I first, and I remember seeing people like that, and that's what, that's what I imagine when I heard the word repent, I imagine people crying and feeling bad and afraid that God was going to damn them to hell. And, you know, uh, what I call the worst uh, sermon ever preached, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I, that's how I imagine, you know, that's a famous uh, in the first great awakening, that's a fame. If you ever read it, it might disturb you. But it, it's this understanding of God is just mad, and if we don't repent, we might fall into this these you know flames of hell that we're all damned to. And and that word repent, repent, say repent. You need to repent. We all need to repent. How many know that we repent? We turn our lives to God. But it's also a process. The word repent in the Greek is metanoia. It means change the way you think. It doesn't mean stop sinning. Hello? I might mess with some of your sacred cows today, and I like doing that. So just, just learn to enjoy it. If you come to this church, you've got to just learn to enjoy kicking down the sacred cows. Repentance doesn't mean stop sinning. It's quiet in here. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Praise God. It doesn't mean stop sinning. It doesn't mean turn away from sin either. Hmm. It means change the way you think. Stop thinking the way that you're thinking. In order to do that, your heart has to be turned in a different direction. The first understanding that you need to know of repentance is let God love you. Just let Him love you. Turn your heart to a loving Papa. And that is where the shift takes place. That's where everything changes. That's where sin becomes a third shoe. That's where grace changes the way you think. Your desires change. The, the reality that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, you come alive in Him. The Bible says that you're made alive unto God. Everything changes. Your desires change. But repentance is a process. In other words, I'm still learning to think differently. Why do I need to? Because I got a lot of Reformation contamination. I got a lot of contamination from bad theology. Theology isn't bad. Good theology is good, but bad theology is... Theology in itself is not bad. Theology is our understanding of who God is. How many think that's important? See, what we got to realize after 2,000 years... Let me just touch this for a minute. After 2,000 years... Many of us still hold to concepts and views of God that are actually pagan and not the God revealed in Jesus. And one of the reasons it's hard for us is because we like our pagan God. Because he fits our need for retribution. He fits our need for justice. In our framework. He fits our need to punish people for their sins. But that's not the God revealed in Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. That God's justice, as you heard my wife so eloquently put last week. God's divine pure justice is heaven meets earth with a sloppy wet kiss. Not an unforeseen kiss, by the way. That don't sing it wrong. Amen. Let me, let me explain. Maybe you guys didn't get that. 
The song that we sang today, some people sing it unforeseen kiss, but that's not how it was written. Just, it's metaphorical. Sloppy wet kiss. Isn't that beautiful? To me, it's just beautiful. It's a little, God, he's perfect. He's not sloppy, but sometimes it, 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 we experience it like that. It just, it's a mess, right? Have you ever encountered God and you just got messed up? Come on. I see you every Sunday, sisters with the mascara all the way down. Some of y'all get prayed for at the altar. Your eyebrow that you draw and smeared up like that. You have a special design after Sunday morning. Heaven meets it like a sloppy wet kiss. So divine justice is actually the opposite of our understanding our concept, our mental baggage, our image that we have of God. We want people to pay for their sin. We want people, a matter of fact, listen, it took me, it's still, it's still hard. I'm still repenting. Um, it took me a while to get that when someone hurts me, that God wasn't against them. It sounds really simple, but I want you to just chew on it for a minute. Touch not the anointed. We have all these old covenant paradigms. We love to just pull them into today. Touch not the anointed. Brother, if you speak against me, you're bringing judgment on yourself. You ever heard stuff like that before? Think about it. I'm blessed and highly favored. You better watch your back. God does not side with people. Hello? His burning jealous love is for all of humanity. Every, come on, tribe, nation, and tongue. And he forgives them all. And they're already adopted and he's just waiting for their hearts to open so he can breathe life into them. He's waiting them for to believe in their heart and confess, Jesus, your Lord, I love you. Life comes in. They're alive unto God. Then everything shifts. Everything changes. The new, the new nature begins to grow. It starts with the seed, but it grows. It grows. We grow in grace and we become more and more like Jesus. That's our ultimate destination. That is our destiny to be conformed to the image of his son. But, but I want to just share with you, when somebody hurts you, God doesn't side with you. Hello? As a father, when my kids, I have five children. This happens all the time. Um, and, and I have some wonderful kids, so don't, you know, get the wrong picture. But they fight, right? And, and they get, you know, every once in a while, they're like, she scratched me. And we never, like, side with one of them. It just, that doesn't make sense. We teach them forgive each other, reconcile, protect each other. Be self-giving and honoring. We don't teach them to side. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't help or resolve. When somebody hurts you, God doesn't side with you. Hello? He's wanting our hearts to become like his, to release forgiveness, to release love. Come on, to to be who he is, to represent him well in the earth, to be the reconciler, to be the one that says, I forgive you, even though you might not even have a reason to, to do that, right? I mean, maybe you were really wrong. Maybe God, maybe you really were betrayed, but you're still forgiving because you're like Jesus. So because of all of our mental baggage, because of 2,000 years of church history and before that, through the understanding we read through the Old Testament and we have all these stories that show God in different ways, that the Bible is clearly, uh, you know, and Jesus demonstrated this, that he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says that the Old Covenant was in the shadow. Jesus is the reality. Amen. Say amen. 
So we have this progressive revelation of God. Then we see who Jesus or what God looks like in Christ. And the Christian God now is not like any other deity ever in any other religion. He is not this self-serving deity that just creates people for, for his pleasure. And, you know, he only wants people to worship him and, you know, this, this far out distant being, but God revealed in Christ is father, son, and Holy spirit in perfect relationship that sent Jesus to become flesh, to, to join himself with our brokenness, our humanity. It's a God who stoops, a God who serves a God creator of all the universe that came and he washed his disciples feet. Even the one who betrayed him. It's a totally different value system. It it turned the scales over. You see, as people of the presence of God, we're a church, we love the presence of God. Come on, somebody. How many with me this morning? How many love drinking in just the presence of God? We just love to worship. We get lost. Sometimes we go an hour and 15 minutes on on second service primarily because we've got a little more time. And we just worship God and we just love being in the presence of the Lord. There's healing. I see you. You're crying and you're, God's touching you. And, and we just love being in the presence of God. But what does that mean to us? Like if we still have an understanding of God that is contaminated or polluted, and we still need to renew our minds. We're still repenting, right? We're metanoia. We're changing the way we think. Repentance, uh, the Greek word is metanoia. We're changing the way we think. We're thinking differently. We're seeing things differently. But if we still have contamination, then, then even in these moments where we're getting prayer, what are we receiving? Like, how, how do we picture God? When I say God, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, if somebody said God, I thought about this old guy in the sky somewhere with a long beard. He looked kind of like Zeus, and he had lightning because I was told... That if I thought a bad thought in church, I might be struck down dead. How many have ever told stuff like that? Am I the only one? Jeez. You know, I thought this God was just far from me and I wasn't sure if he loved me. And he was in control of everything exhaustively. As a matter of fact, somebody died. God is in control. You, you hear that phrase. Where does that phrase come from? Is it in the Bible? Did Jesus say that? What God is in control. Some horrible thing happens. Right now there are uh, Christians in Iraq being persecuted. They're beheading babies. And there's pictures of fathers holding their beheaded children. God forbid any of us ever see anything like that or experience anything like that. Right now there are Christians. Well, God is in control. If God is in control, then he's responsible. I don't know about you, but that's not the God I see in Jesus. Somebody gets sick with cancer. Well, God is in control. He's trying to teach you a lesson. Oh, shut up, religion. God is in control came from one of our fathers that believed, church fathers in the 4th century, St. Augustine. He believed that, that basically most of humanity was going to hell and some elect few would be saved. Sound familiar? Sounds like the fundamentalist religious guy in the corner that says God's pissed off at you. Oh, you can't say that in church. Well, I just did. Praise the Lord. If we can't be real in church, then what's the point? If we can't ask tough questions, then what's the point? You see, world changers are not afraid to rethink theology that's currently not changing the world. Hello? If you want to be a world changer, then let's examine the fruit. Hello. 
Jesus said, you're going to know it by its fruit. If we're not changing the world, if we're not loving the broken, if we're not bringing people out of oppression, if we're not clothing the naked, come on somebody, if we're not healing the sick and raising the dead, doing the works of the master, then let's rethink what we believe, what we've been taught and how we view God. Because when I look at Jesus, I see a different picture than what some of the things I've been told. God is in control. He's just trying to teach you a lesson. Well, maybe I have this arthritis because God's just teaching me to slow down. No, that, that's, that's a pagan view of God. God doesn't punish. He forgives. Well, what about the old covenant? The old covenant put a veil over who God was. Different paradigm. Moses said, show me your face. God says, you can't see my face and live. Why? Because his paradigm could not contain the glory of that love. You didn't hear what I just said. The word face in the Hebrew, one of the definitions is from before time. Maybe Moses was saying, God, I want to, I want to see what happened before all that other stuff. What happened before all that? Guess what? Paul knew what happened before that. He wrote about it in Ephesians 1. He said, before time began, you were chosen in him to be adopted. You were loved. Come on. God made you the focus of his love. So before creation, you want to know what the face of God, what God looks like? He looks like a father, son, and Holy Spirit in perfect love and in harmony that say, I have a dream and it looks like you. And here you are today. You see, the problem today with this contamination is we just have to repent. We just have to think differently. We just have to see things the way that Jesus revealed them in his person uh, person and work, in, in who he is and what he accomplished. We have to see what God looks like through Jesus. And we see this God of love and grace that Jesus did not go to the cross to take on punishment because God is just and holy. See, that that conception, that's Reformation contamination. That wasn't taught until 500 years ago. Hello? And I know, I know I'm talking to some people that know theology and you know, you know, but I, I just want to encourage you that I have good news for you. God is a God of love and mercy and grace. He doesn't look like the ones that we make up in our mind. God's going to get you. You better watch out. That's not God. And God doesn't have the scale that, that we have that some people are more valuable than others. I knew it'd be real quiet on that one. But let it sink in. Every human on the planet is valuable to God. More valuable than you can ever comprehend You're more valuable than you can ever comprehend. Every hair on your head is numbered by him. That's how much he looks at you. He just counts one, two, I love you, three, you're just like me, four, even when you fall on the floor, five. I don't know if he does that, but he counts every hair on your head because that's how valuable you are. Now, when when we see God revealed in Christ, when we experience his presence, his love, we're bathed in love. We're bathed in Papa's heart. We're bathed in the fellowship of the spirit. Come on. We're bathed in relationship itself. We, we, we learn a new value system. Jesus came and tipped over the scales. He says, God's not looking for sacrifice. He's looking for mercy. Hello. He's looking for justice, which is compassion and love to the broken. 
God is looking for people to take on his heart and his nature and release it in the earth. And guess what, church? We've not done the greatest job representing the Father. We need to represent the Father better. Daddy's not mad. Daddy's not mad at the, at the person on the corner that's got demons. He's not mad at them. He loves them. One time my wife and I had the experience that was, it was a privilege, but it was a, a, quite a, an experience of ministering to somebody. When we first started the church, the Lord really branded on our hearts. He says, just be happy with the one. Don't worry about church growth. Just love one well. Just the one, the broken one. So we'd go out and just look for the one. we look everywhere. We'd go to McDonald's. We'd find the one. There's a homeless man named Ron. We got to share a meal with. Remember Ron? Got to love on him. He didn't want prayer, but he wanted a hug. That's okay. I'm planting seeds. Come on, somebody. We got to meet a lady that was getting yelled at the very second we were driving by. She had her shopping cart. And she had some friends with her. And you couldn't see her friends because they lived in her head. She had some demons, right? She was oppressed. And we got to buy her a meal. She was so hungry. I don't think my wife had ever seen anyone eat like that before. Her name was Sandra. She was so broken. Afterwards, my wife and I were weeping, thinking, how did she end up like this? I mean, I, I wanted to go back in time and adopt her as a little two-year-old. What, what happened to her through the years that, that I mean, she was so messed up? But God, I didn't look at her like God was mad at her because she allowed this. And No, God loved her. God wanted her free. Come on, somebody. You see, love does not want you bound. Love, God's love wants you free from oppression. Come on, every addiction, every ter- turmoil, depression, oppression. That's, none of that's from God. It's none of it is from God. It's part of, part of the sin and death that entered the cosmos. That in the very beginning, in the heart of Father God, he said, I cannot let my kids go. I will not let them drift into ruin. I'm sending my son to show them what love looks like. Come on, somebody. To give them a new nature, to forgive their sin, to show them a new way, to bring shalom back, to bring peace back. This is what we're created for. We're created to be ambassadors of this realm, this kingdom, this type of love, a love that says you can stab me in the back, spit on me, crucify me. And I say, forgive them father for they know not what they do as Christians. This, this isn't an easy message because this causes us to rethink everything. This causes us to think, well, what about this? What about that? All I know is if, if I stay focused on Jesus, who is according to Hebrews one, three and Colossians one the perfect revelation of God. When I look at his life and what he did, I, and, and that's who I'm following. Are, are we not Jesus followers? Amen. This is what I want. I, my heart's desire is to be bathed in the reality of who he is, the presence of God changing my heart, giving me a new value system. And it, guess what? It starts with you beholding his love. And it, it, here's what it does. It cha- here's where many of us need to repent. First and foremost, stop thinking that you're not valuable. Stop beating yourself up. Stop thinking that God is mad at you. Change the way you think. You have way more value than you could ever comprehend. You are so significant to God. My spiritual dad says if he had a a picture on his refrigerator, it would be yours. Amen. Your picture. You're the focus of his love. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 1. 
in closing in the message translation. Are you all getting anything out of this? I really didn't plan on saying most of that, but Ephesians chapter 1 in the message. Let me just read three verses to you. Eugene Peterson. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mighty love. Thank you for your mighty presence. Thank you, we're a people of your presence. We love to be with you. We love your presence. We love how you just change our value system. You change everything. You teach us to love. You teach us what real freedom and relationship is, God. So in in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, Eugene Peterson in the message translation says, How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He is the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. He, long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Come on, if you're not reading it in the message with me, close your eyes and listen to this. Here's, here's what God says. Paul, Paul says, he had you in mind long before he created everything. You're his dream. He says, he settled us as the focus of his love. Guess what God's thinking about right now? You. And he wants you free. He wants you freer. He wants you blessed. He wants you to walk with him. He wants relationship with you. That's why Jesus came. You know, the first thing on God's mind wasn't this thing that he couldn't touch sin or he couldn't look upon. It was, I want relationship. Jesus got dirty with sinners. He loved them. They loved him. They wanted to be around him. You're the focus of God's love. Right now, Jesus is looking at you and he, he's not mad. He's smiling. His eyes are full of love for you. He goes on to say, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what a pleasure he took in planning this. Listen, if you feel like an orphan or you feel like you've been abandoned, you're part of the biggest family in the universe. And you're a son and you're a daughter. There's no stepchildren in this family. You're a son. Are you, you hear me this morning. Michael, you're a son. You're so loved by God. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is just burning with such a great, great burning love for you, man. Would you just lift your hands up right now and just receive that? I just released the love of the Father over you. Daddy's proud of you. You're going to make it. He's created you for great things. He's called you out of darkness and brought you into marvelous light. I bless you right now. Every single one of you, your son, your daughter. You are the focus of his love. I've been rejected so many times. Jesus chooses you. Like the woman at the well, rejected over and over and over and over and over. Wasn't she a prostitute? The Bible doesn't say that. All we know is she was rejected somehow or divorced. We don't know. But Jesus chose her. Come on, daughters. You are chosen by the king. 
just lift your hands and just receive his love right now. Come on, close your eyes and just let him love you. I just speak the grace of heaven that's pouring out so purely and so real on every person in this room. You're the focus of his love. You're adopted. He took pleasure in planning. You are part, you're accepted. You're part of the largest family in the universe. wanted you to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Let God lavish his love on you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We're just going to take a couple moments and we're going to pray before I dismiss you. I'm just so grateful for his love. I don't have to perform to be significant to God. I'm valuable. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to step through religious hoops. I'm significant right where I am. And that's what transforms me. That's what brings me into life. That's what pulls me into destiny is just knowing that I'm loved. Knowing that I am accepted. Thank you, Lord. I just speak that over every life and heart. If you feel like right now that you just sense the burning fire of his love I want you to just do me a favor just lift both hands in the air if you're in this place you can really sense the Lord like doing something in your heart Uh, there's a couple people I'd like to pray for and I just I want to do this just lift up your hands and just receive his love would you just lift up your hands and let the fire of his love burn grace great grace Holy Spirit hear the father just saying i just love just embracing you the father just loves embracing you whoa you are so lovable i just hear the lord saying you're so lovable and he just loves pulling you close uh, because you you're quick to put your ear on his heart and you're learning that rhythm you're learning that sound and it's that sound and that rhythm that's just shifting and changing circumstance, changing you, changing who you are, changing what you do. And your heart is now just beginning to uh, release. There's been so much transformation. Daddy says, I'm proud of you. But this love that Papa God has for you, I just release it. The affection of the Father. How many say amen to that? Come on, the Father is so affectionate to it. He longs. He longs to just embrace us and and heal us and set us free. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We bless you. Would you go and just pray over her right now? Just take a moment and just lay your hand on her shoulder and just release that love. Oh, Father, we thank you. Mighty woman of God. Mighty woman of God. There's even an anointing to, to speak. There's God wants to anoint your tongue. And the enemy's not only trying to steal your dance, but your song and your voice. And I just break that off right now in Jesus' name. And I just say, come alive, my sister. Come alive, daughter of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for the very nature of who you are. Just, just the oil of heaven. Just smearing over her, God. Just bringing wholeness, bringing freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. I want you to just grab the hand of the person next to you right now, would you? And I want you to just say this to him. Say, you are so significant. Come on, stay with me. Say, you are so valuable to God. Do you believe that? Now say this. Say, just let him love you. Just receive his love. Lord, thank you for your presence right now. We, we just say, we welcome, we drink in with open hearts, open arms. We drink in your loving grace. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's this song, we fall down, we get up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got back up again. I can hear the the Spirit of God, just something about that. To you, to some of you right now, you have fallen flat on your face. But I just speak grace to you to rise up. Come on, rise up. Take your bed and walk. Jesus told uh, the man sitting around the five porches, come on, the pool of Bethesda, he said, take your bed and walk. Rise up. So I speak that over your life. If you've fallen, get back up. Come on. The righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Micah 7, 8. I speak to your spirit. Rise up in Jesus' name. Be strong. Now, it may not have been something where you fell into a a gross sin of some sort, but maybe you feel like your fire has diminished. Maybe you feel like your walk with God, something shifted or changed. I just say rise up and let God hit the reset button of your heart and just run to your first love. I pray for a new fire and a new passion in your life. In the name of Jesus. Now, before I close, would you do me a favor and close your eyes right now? Just one last thing I want to do. If there's anyone here that you just want, you want to receive everything God has for you. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to the love of God, to Jesus. I want to ask you if if you want to, maybe you just want to, I'm just ready to surrender everything to him. I'm ready to just surrender everything. If there's anyone in this place and you can sense God doing something in your heart and you want that, you're saying, I want to surrender everything to God. I want you to quickly raise up your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to surrender everything. Just quickly, anyone in this room, raise your hand up high. Say, I'm ready to surrender everything. There's hands going up. Come on, just respond to the Lord. Say, I'm ready to surrender. God sees your heart. He sees your hand. You can put it down. I want you to pray with me right now. There's some hands that went up. I want you to pray. Just simply pray this. Say, Father. Pray it out loud. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me to forgive me, to wash me, to give me new life. I receive your love. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. For giving me a new nature. Say it. Come on, believe it. Say, giving me a new heart. A new identity in you. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray every single one of those that raise their hand, let them receive the empowerment of your spirit right now. 
Holy Spirit, just breathe into them. One last time, saints, I want you to join with me and just start praying right now. Come on, lift up like a fiery prayer. Come on, if you have a prayer language, just lift it up right now. Pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. Come on, lift it up, lift it up. Pray right now. We release the empowerment of heaven over your life. Those that surrender, we Lord, we thank you. Freedom right now in Jesus' name. Freedom from depression. Freedom from every addiction. Freedom from anxiety and fear. No more. That's not a part of your paradigm anymore. Be free. Be blessed. We just call you forth into your destiny right now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, come on, seal it with praise, would you? Hallelujah. Do we have our prayer team here this morning? Who do we have? Raise your hand. If you're part of our prayer team leaders, would you quickly come up? We're going to dismiss you. And if you need prayer for anything, we have, we have some people up here that are just ready to just pray with you uh, and bless you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your precious people. I pray that you would just change our value system, Lord, with your love and your grace. We want to see who you really are. So we change the way we think. We repent. And you're giving us clear vision. You're giving us a new prescription, new lenses to see you through, new ideas and concepts, ones that we see in the life of Jesus. So we thank you for that. And as you go, love someone. If you need prayer, just come on up and receive it. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed.